Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. Doug, you know, uh, you know I'm a big fan of Christmas movies, right? <laughs> Don't tell me you've already started watching Christmas movies. <laughs> I, I make no secret of that. It's one of my little quirky things is I love a good Christmas movie, especially the ones that are on Lifetime or uh, ABC Family, which is now called something else. I forget. Force? No, not Force. I don't know what it's called. <laughs> uh, anyway. The cheesy, the cheesiest of Christmas movies seem to be the better. Yeah. Made for TV you. is my favorite type okay. of Christmas movie. Made for Netflix is also good. There, mm-hmm. That's its own new subgenre that I'm kind of into. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there's one called Christmas with the Cranks. You know that yep. one? Uh, so I've, heard, I've heard you mention it a lot. I probably have. It's it, it just become a classic for me. I saw it in the theater with my dad maybe when it came out, 15 years ago or something. Okay. And I thought yeah. it wasn't any good. Didn't like it. And somehow it's kind of gone into my rotation that I'll watch it two or three times during a Christmas season now. Two or three times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's it's based on a book, I think, is it John Grisham, who has a book called Skipping Christmas. It's about this family that decides they're going to go on a cruise and they're not going to spend any of the money oh, or yeah, do any this. of the okay. stuff they do on Christmas. And they're going to put all that effort into a dream vacation, and of course, it just things go awry. But uh, the reason I bring that up because I mean, we are heading into that season. But uh, I this year I'm skipping my least favorite holiday. I'm skipping Thanksgiving. My family and I are doing that. So You're Thanksgiving just... with the Frasers might be a might be a movie. Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving with the Frasers. Yes. You're skipping it. So all right, this is I got many questions here. <laughs> okay. Good. <laughs> First of all, how many of these uh, Christmas movies are you watching by yourself versus with your family? <laughs> <laughs> Almost all of them now are with my family. Okay, all right. we we do, so we don't we're not big on TV. The kids, you know, they did a little showtime at the end of the day usually. Uh, but once the Christmas season hits, I'd say December first or so, I try to get it. I try to do one movie each day. Each day. Yeah, and and like you know, you might we might not all pay attention to all of it, but we just put it on and kind of hang out, and watch the movie. I mean, I can see how that's fun. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, um, all right. So that's that's question number one. Okay. <clears throat> number two. I I kind of know because I've heard you talk about this every year, but um, I would say most people don't probably don't know why you hate Thanksgiving so much. And, uh, <laughs> and um, and is it because you're vegan or is it something else? No, it has nothing to do with being vegan. Uh, and you know, it's I mean, it's kind of a joke. I don't hate it. I do enjoy the Thanksgiving Day. It's fine. Uh, I just when I was a kid, I I always loved Christmas like every kid, and loved the presents and all that, and the festivities leading up to it, the Christmas movies, all that stuff. Thanksgiving was just this. I mean, as a kid, it was the most boring holiday. I thought you just had to kind of sit around and do nothing all day. It was all this talking. <laughs> People would watch football. I didn't care about that. They would eat food that I never liked. I just was not into Thanksgiving food as a kid, and I think a lot of kids are not into Thanksgiving food. Uh-huh. Mine in particular aren't. Uh, uh, totally aside from the vegan thing, just just that type of food. I don't know. There's something about it that is not that kid friendly, and I just thought it was this just a boring kind of stuffy holiday. So stuffy, that, no no pun intended. Yes, there you go. Good. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway. See, I have a totally different view of Thanksgiving. Yeah, I know. May- a lot of people do. It's a lot of people's favorite holiday. Uh-huh. And maybe you know, I don't know. I don't really remember how what I thought about it as a as a kid. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Not, I don't remember feeling. That strongly either way. But as an adult, I love that it's such less pressure than Christmas. Yeah. Because you just, I mean, you just hang out, you eat, you know, you go play around at disc golf, got to drop that in there. Um, <laughs> you know, you just, like, there's, like, no pressure. There's no gifts. There's no big decorations. Like, yeah, I don't know. I get it. That is true. And I will say I am gaining an appreciation for it. Uh, just because as an adult, you get bit bu- Once you have kids, you get busy. So to have a day where you're kind of, there is nothing to do, which is why I didn't like it as a kid. Mm. Uh, it's actually kind of nice to just hang out and do nothing until till mealtime. Mm-hmm. And I like cooking, so I help uh, do a bunch of that in the morning. So it's good. Of course, you can do, there are things you can do, right? You can go play disc golf, like you said. You could do a turkey trot or a tofurkey trot yeah, yeah. if you'd like. So anyway, yeah, it's not that bad. I don't hate it. It's just, it's kind of a joke. But uh, <laughs> it's certainly well, not my favorite holiday. I will, I will but say But your favorite holiday is... I, I know this one too. <laughs> New Year's, right? <laughs> Black Friday. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is one of my favorite holidays. 
I enjoyed Black Friday. I enjoyed the, the doorbusters idea. Don't actually do it that often, but I, I like Black... People people declare war on Black Friday. Specifically, REI. I hate REI for that reason. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I, I, just, I just do. Uh, yeah, I, like, I love that. I love the shopping. It's like the kickoff of the Christmas season. You, everyone goes out. It's all crowded and festive. You start finally putting on Christmas music, and you're shopping for loved ones. But no, REI said that's bad. We should <laughs> opt out or whatever that was. What is that? Opt out. Opt outside. Opt outside, yeah. Yeah. I think it's Terrible. brilliant. I love that idea. Yeah. Um, sure but, yeah, yeah, sure I do. But, <laughs> no, all right, so, all right, so anyway, so back to, the, back to my questions here. And I think that this, <laughs> okay. this will kind of wrap things up. Okay. With the, this is, uh, is, where are you going? Uh, we're going to Spain, as I think I mentioned last episode. I don't really know. We did, last year we went to Spain. We went to mostly the south part of Spain, Madrid and south. And this year we're going to Madrid and north. So we will get to Barcelona, which people say all kinds of great things about. I'm quite excited about Barcelona. Yeah. Uh, as well as some of the Basque country, where they speak a different language, which they also speak a different language in Barcelona, but uh, and Catalonia in general. But in the Basque country, they speak this different language. And we will also go to Rioja, La Rioja, which is the wine region in between Madrid and the Basque country. Cool. And yeah, and that's where we'll actually be for Thanksgiving Day. We'll be there. We have a little little kind of... I'm even going to do a hike thing. I guess it's appropriate. Right on my least favorite holiday, I do my least favorite activity, <laughs> which is a hike. Uh, we have this hike planned to this beautiful lake thing. I don't know. So yeah, that'll know. be nice. It terrible. It, well, it'll be okay. And then we'll, I guess we'll go out and get some tapas for, for our Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, that sounds great. Just you and the immediate family, right? And my dad is going to be there for that first half. He's not oh, okay. going to be there for the Barcelona half, but he'll be there for the first week. Cool. So that will be nice. A different kind of Thanksgiving, and we'll not we'll not really miss it that much. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds great. It sounds like uh, you know, sounds like just a wonderful adventure for the family. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it will be. I hope. Assuming all goes well. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Enough about that. What, what are you doing on Thanksgiving, Doug? I mean, the reason that we're talking about Thanksgiving is because this is our last episode before Thanksgiving. We'll put That's out right. one next. We'll put one out on Black Friday because it's a holiday. But yeah. uh, we will not have one leading up to Thanksgiving. So that's why we're that's why we're doing the Thanksgiving bit now. So what are you doing? <laughs> I am doing. I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm going back to the old stomping grounds of Washington D.C. Oh, okay. Birthplace of Rocket Runner and our friendship, Matt. Yes, that's right. Have we met? <laughs> yeah, no, Katie's brother lives up there and uh, is hosting most of her family and my mom, and it's just going to be a whole bunch of people in a tiny DC apartment, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Wow. I think. Yeah. Good. Very nice. The Black Mountain Turkey Trot, the 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 winner is the is up for grabs with you not in it this year. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of bummed to miss the miss the Turkey Trot this year. Are you going to do anything up there? I don't know. Maybe. Um, I haven't, I haven't even looked into it. I definitely want to go for like a run or, or a couple runs up there in the, mm-hmm. you know, my old routes, but, um, yeah, no, no, no race plans. Well, somebody's happy in Black Mountain who's going to be going for the, <laughs> who's going be. for the win. <laughs> for the record, I've never, never run before. <laughs> There's usually mimosas and last year there was a baby stroller involved. So. <laughs> gotcha. Good. <laughs> Well, that sounds nice, and uh, I don't mean—I don't really mean to hate on Thanksgiving. I think I do think reconnecting with family, reunions, re- reuniting, whatever—that's all good, all very good stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Giving thanks—it's a good thing. That's right. There's, there's that part as well. Let's not forget, <laughs> yes, <you laughs> forget that part. <laughs> the whole, the whole reason for the season. <laughs> yes. Anyway, we're not going to talk about vegan Thanksgiving and what to do with as a vegan. I'm sure we have episodes about that. We, I know we have blog posts about that. So if you're interested in that stuff, Google No Meat Athlete Thanksgiving and you will find whatever we've got on the topic. Then there's plenty. Yeah, including a bunch of recipes and advice on how to deal with your crazy uncle and all that stuff. Yes. Good. All right, good. Today we're going to be talking about history. We're going to go down a little... We are. Open the history books. This is going to be fun. I like this. So we decided to do a little combination blog post podcast episode this time um kind of just talking about no meat athlete and about the not not about the team per se but certainly we will talk about the team in the process um but you know we're coming up on our 10-year anniversary so that is kind of cool 
Yeah, I mean, that is that is amazing for me to believe that we've been doing this for 10 years now. I guess I've been doing this for 10 years, but it wasn't much longer. It was only it's only a year into that probably that people started helping me and I was not the only one doing it. So, uh, yeah, that's, that is just hard to imagine for me that, that it's been that long. And we figured we would kind of begin the begin the process of, of celebrating that by just looking back at the 10 years. Because we figured 10 years is a long time. There's probably a lot of people who are new listening to this podcast from the past year or two um, who haven't heard us tell the, you know, the same old stories about the early days. So we'll just go through how it began, um, the changes it went through, and where it is now, just in case that it's interesting to anyone who's kind of a fan of the podcast and the site and the brand and everything else. Or if you are interested in just starting your own thing, I think uh, I would imagine it would be useful for you as well there. At, at the very least, inspiring to, you know, make you realize that you can do this. It is quite possible to have an idea and start a website, and then eventually you turn that into a job, and it actually becomes something that, that is legitimate, that people care about, and uh, that's a, a pretty neat thing. A whole tribe, a whole community. You build a whole tribe, yes. So quite doable, and that is that is something I'm thankful for, thankful for that we live in an era when... Mm. That can happen because because you know when we were born there weren't there weren't jobs like that you couldn't really do that so easily. So that's true. That's very true. There you go. For better. Or so worse. anyway, what's that, Doug? <laughs> I said for better or worse. Yeah, I think I think for way better. But we do have that idea of making social media illegal and just having a dictator who controls <laughs> all the information. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That might be better. Anyway. Um, so I'm going to go to a Tony Robbins event, Doug, in December, this, okay. this coming December. It's surprise, and, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, I know. And Tony, you, Tony Robbins had the, the little Me Too thing happened with him. He did, yeah, he did. But he seems to have uh, apologized profusely for it, and uh, I think he's pretty good at managing his image and all that, because that's sort of his thing. He's a communicator. I think and, that, I, from my understanding, it was something he said, not something he did. Oh, no, yes, not at all. That. It was just that he was he was he appeared to be criticizing the movement, and he's he's kind of explained it apologize but anyway going to that um he so i went to his thing for my first tony robbins event uh and i do not make a secret that of the fact that i'm a fan of his stuff and his his teaching and things have helped me a whole lot um but i the first time i actually went to an event was 2009 which was 10 years ago from six months from now (laughs) um and i went to that i was not vegetarian i i was trying to qualify for the boston marathon at that point and i was like six years into that journey and you were was, six years into the boston journey before yeah. you went vegetarian well i didn't realize yep that. yeah so i was I, and i had taken a ton of time off i think i had taken um an hour and 50 minutes or something off my no not that much uh 90 i taken 90 minutes off my time um so anyway and i, I was kind of stuck though. i was getting injured and at the same time i i had started wanting to become vegetarian, not vegan, didn't, didn't think about that at all, didn't know what it was really. Um, but I just, like everyone else, I had this idea that if you do that, you will not be able to do any serious athletics. That, that if you do that, it's kind of the end of the Boston Marathon thing. It's just like, do you want to make that decision or not? And the other thing holding me back was like, I was like, this just seemed like a ton of work and hard stuff. And I was like, how would you possibly go over to a friend's house or a family member's house for dinner? Like, what? just how would you manage being vegetarian? So it was it was on my radar. I was into it, but I had decided I couldn't do it for those reasons. And I said, I'm just going to be eating the, you know, no more red meat, no more four-legged animals, basically, is what I did. And so that's where I was. I was eating chicken. Um, but at the end of Tony Robbins' thing, on the last day of a four-day thing, he he gives you his diet and pitches you his on his diet, which is really about, like, maximizing energy as well as long-term health. But it was it was talking about short-term health and fitness and he really encouraged you to be mostly vegetarian Uh, i think at that time he was saying eat a little bit of fish but it was basically fish and vegetables some grains and things like that along with some other ideas that i don't fully agree with about how you combine the foods and all that but um after that i was just all you know because being at one of his things for four days if you're into him it, it gets you really excited and amped up. And so by the time, by the last day when he's saying, okay, go to this, I was like, all right, I'm in. Like, I'm excited about this. And I said, all right, I'm really going to try to be vegetarian because I got convinced that maybe it wouldn't be the end of my Boston Marathon journey. That, you know, maybe it would actually help. I had no idea, but that wasn't the reason I was doing it. I was doing it because I had ethical motivations for wanting to be that. And finally, this event convinced me that I could do that without giving too much in the, giving up too much in the short term as far as my health and energy and all that. 
Mm-hmm. So um, I decided to do that first, and I think I ate a chicken sandwich or something like on the on the way home from that event, and that, <laughs> I ate like half of it. And I said I just couldn't do because he he had all these pictures of like this this I don't know fecal soup or something they call it like in the factories where the chickens is in their own fecal matter I don't know but it was gross and I and I just said I'm not gonna do this I'm actually gonna try this diet thing and so I did it and I think it was only like I don't know four or five days after I got back from that that I said I'm gonna start a website about that because. The other side of the story than just the decision to go vegetarian was that I was in graduate school at the time studying applied math, trying to get my PhD, and um, was sort of not sure where that was headed. I just didn't really want to become a teacher, but I was kind of doing it because I felt like I just needed to, I don't know, I loved math and I wanted to find something to do with it interesting, but I couldn't, and or I didn't know where it was headed at least. So I, So like the chance of like, wow, I'm also not just changing my diet. I'm going to start something new and just see where that takes me. That all came up and I said, well, I, you know, there's there's not that much information about how do you do this vegetarian thing with marathon training because I looked for that. I wanted to make sure that I was doing it correctly and found almost nothing. What I did find was like either really old, outdated websites or kind of like ours now uh, <laughs> or um, just stuff that was like written by clearly militant, ethical, vegan types who were like just you know, it wasn't really anything halfway scientific about how this might work for sports or how to use it for sports. It was just like why it's so good for sports and, uh, you know, why it was so wrong to eat meat. And like, it just, it just wasn't talking to me at all. Mm-hmm. So I thought, wow, that, that'd be cool. And then I came up with the name, no meat athlete. And, uh, I just got, got no meat athlete dot com, I think is what it was and wrote a blog post and then told all my friends about it. And then everyone <laughs> was kind of into it. Uh, or at least they were encouraging, right? And I thought, I don't know. I didn't know what people would think about the decision to become vegetarian. And I wasn't even vegetarian yet. I was still eating some fish. And in the early days of No Meat Athlete, there were some fish recipes, which I can't believe that I would do that, like looking back on it now. Um, but you I kind of liked that I was so... No Meat Athlete and still... Yeah, right. Like I would, like nowadays, if I were to do that, I would like be like, wow, what are the what are the vegans and vegetarians going to say about that? Mm. Um so it's it's kind of funny. I like that I was so naive back then <laughs> to not be worried about that at all. I just did it, um, and there there wasn't much of that kind of pushback, but there was a little bit. But it was fine. I didn't didn't care. Was your so, like during those first month or two? You know, the joke about a blog, right, is that no one reads it but your mom, right? You know, were, were there actually vegans and vegetarians reading it, or was it mostly like your friends and family members and stuff like that? I think it was I think it was pretty much friends and family members. So you're right, like there is that stereotype and that is mostly true and I don't know, that was happening, but at the same time it was it felt very different from what I have seen happen with other blogs because from the very beginning of Nomadathic there were people commenting on it and like into it and interacting with it. So I I don't know what why. I think I mean I emailed all my friends literally and told them, "Look, I just started this blog. I'm doing this thing and go check it out, please." And I don't know, there were like 20 or 25 comments on that very first blog post, which almost never happens because usually when you write a first blog post, you get no comments on it or just one from your mom. <laughs> and and that's why the blogs most blogs don't last because people do that. And then the second post, you get zero comments. And then the third post, you're kind of wondering if anyone's reading it. And then you're probably done after that. So yeah. this, I, I never really had that problem. Like for some reason, people just got into it from the beginning. And I think it's just because I took the trouble of emailing friends and saying, hey, go <laughs> yeah. see this. Most be- I mean, you know, like, that's that's like a big... I don't know. Most people don't have the guts to do that. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know why, like, I, I can understand why they wouldn't. And for some reason, I didn't have that fear. I don't know. I don't know what it was. Maybe I was just, like, in the, I was just amped up from the Tony Robbins thing. I don't know. But mm. I didn't, I didn't worry about any of that. And I just did it. And, uh, and yeah, they started reading it. And then what happened pretty early was I found that there was this whole niche of, like, uh, what are they called? I don't know if they're called food bloggers or health bloggers. Oh, healthy living bloggers. That's what it was. Healthy, mm. healthy living. Um, and it was mostly women. And it was people who would write. It was kind of like a like a diary or a journal. And people would write sometimes three times a day about like just what they were doing and, and telling stories, lots of photos. And it was like about their their pets and their breakfast and their runs and all that. And I even got into that as well. Like I just kind of figured, well, okay, I guess that's what you do. And so I started doing that. And I wrote posts every single day. I mean, you should you should mention that it was. I mean, it is a niche for sure, but 
I mean, I don't know anymore, but those blogs used to be huge. Oh yeah, they had they had massive followings. Like mm-hmm. like they would get hundreds, hundred, two hundred comments on a post. Right. Uh, and they'd and get they would them post three times a day. Yeah, on that right. Like it was. I just think they had basically rabid fans who just would refresh the page or what check their RSS feed back in the day, uh, just looking for new content. It was like it was kind of like reality TV basically, mm. but even more real because now it was not orchestrated the way reality TV is, but it was just someone's life and i i guess people really got into that um none of them were really making businesses out of them they they all not all many of them ran ads from this company called food buzz that would just serve you different food ads um but it just the pay was was pitiful that that thing did and so anyway i saw that happening uh i i was part of that and i enjoyed it and it really helped me because i got in on some of that energy of people who were that into this and that's where like all the comments came from and it was good, and I made some good friends. I got a chance to, to post on their blog sometimes. Some of them post on my blog, too. So that was all good. No problem. Fun. Um, and then when I started the site, I didn't really know like what would happen with it or what I wanted to happen out of it. Uh, but I just had this sense that if that it would be good to build an audience of people who cared about what you were saying. And so I even as I saw that there wasn't, in at least because I didn't know anything about blogs, but I saw that this healthy living community existed and i just got the sense like wow if you have all those people paying attention to what you think and actually caring about you and when you recommend something they actually listen and go try it Mm -hmm. um then surely one day if you get enough of those people there's a way to create a business from this or make a living from this or you know make it so that it can be what you do um so i wasn't concerned about the fact that it looked like there was no real business around it and so in my mind it was like i'm gonna do this and i think what would be fun is if you sold T-shirts. Once I came up with the name Nomad Athlete, I said, well, that would be neat to have a Nomad Athlete T-shirt. <laughs> um, so that was kind of my ultimate vision for the site, was that one day we would sell T-shirts at races and there'd be a big community of people. Uh, but that was all I had in mind. I didn't have anything in mind about how like it might turn into anything real. I just had this sense that it was good to build a following of people. Uh, so anyway, that's, that's what I decided to do. Started selling the t-shirts. I was so scared to sell anything back then. So I think like the first few batches, we just sold them at cost. Uh, I did not want people to like criticize cause I didn't, you know, I wanted it to become a business, but it, that was not my reason. I was doing it for like, I just thought it'd be really cool to share this thing. And I wanted there to be this information out there and I wanted to do something that was fun and, and something that was so different from what I was doing in grad school. Mm-hmm. So started selling the t-shirts like at our cost. I don't know if they were 12 or $14. This, this scraggly looking carrot that we made with the computer at home. Um, <laughs> and people started, it, did you make it in paint? My sister made it in paint. Yes. <laughs> and then I, and then I took it into Microsoft. I think publisher was the name of the software uh-huh. and you could make, you know, these things. I don't, it might've even been like a, powerpoint slide that i made and then just <laughs> printed off i don't know <laughs> anyway but people started buying the t-shirts and they started wearing them and they started sending their pictures of themselves wearing them uh to my facebook page which not not my personal but my knowing athlete page and i don't know i think that was kind of the beginning of like wow this might actually be a real thing that is going to work and like maybe i can eventually do this instead of grad school so I don't, and, you know, and no one in my family, even my wife included, for good reason, really took me seriously in that way. Like, it, because it was just so small. It was a tiny thing. I think, you know, it took six months before we could get 500 page views a day. Uh, so when I was having these big dreams, we were getting 60 or 80 people clicking pages per day on the site. And I just would re- obsessively refresh that and just, like, watch when a new person clicked a new page. <laughs> um so anyway, it's so different now, but but you know, it, and it took off like that. Well, so were you? Uh, so one thing I remember about starting Rocket Corner um, was, you know, I had I had this other full time job, and um, you were in grad school, and any chance I would get between <laughs> like you know projects at work, or if I had a few minutes here and a few minutes there, I would be like working on my blog in in my little cubicle. Yep. Um, you know, pretending like I was doing real work. Um, were you, I mean, you know, I know you were in school, but like, did you, were you sitting in the back of the class writing blog posts? Yeah. Eventually I was doing exactly that. Like I was literally, <laughs> I, I remember the first time I wrote a blog post in the class. I was like, man, this is kind of weird that I'm in grad school and doing this. <laughs> so 
yeah, it just it just gradually consumed more and more time. Like at first, I said I'm gonna write a post a day because I had heard that if you did that for two months, then Google would start to notice that your site existed and start sending you traffic, which is exactly what happened. But it was really good, not in hindsight, that I had a goal like I'm gonna write a post every single day for two months because as we've talked about that that that's enough to get through that little dip when it feels like mm-hmm. no one's reading. Uh, so I that had something your, that was your goal from the very like the very beginning, day one. Yeah. It was, I'm going to write a post every day for two months. And I don't even know if I did it, which is funny. But for a, lo- a long time, six, seven weeks, for sure, I, I didn't miss a day. Uh, even a weekend. I just wrote every single day. And you know, I would start to get up early to do that stuff, or I'd, or I'd stay up late. And just always make sure that post went up. And then, as you can imagine, like once that's a priority, something else usually shifts. And so the grad school like started to become less of a priority. And I definitely kept it up, and I kept doing it, and I was... It was, I wasn't like, you know, failing as a student by any means, but I, I really did stop like any sort of extra work <laughs> that I might've or thought I'd be putting into school and it started going into this instead. And then my weekend started filling up with like projects of trying to do, you know, redesign the website or get something working. And then pretty soon it was to the point where like I was, I was now, I would leave early to commute to school and I'd just leave an hour or two early so I could stop at Starbucks and like just do a solid hour or two of work on the blog before I got to school. And then finally, like like you just mentioned, I, I was at the point where I was writing blog posts in the class. And it wasn't too much longer after that till I decided that, you know, grad school was not going to be something that I finished. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so I got my master's and then I don't know if it was a year after that or something, but I, I didn't. I, I got to the point where I realized that in a, one more solid year of work and I could finish grad school and get a Ph.D., Maybe I should have done that, but I don't really know. Because if I had, then, you know, Nomad Athlete would not have had the energy that it got over the next year. And maybe someone would have beat me to it. And and maybe maybe it would have been a whole lot harder to do it after that. Or if I finished the grad school, then I would have gotten job offers, maybe. And mm-hmm. that would have been tempting. And then it might have been easier to do the, do the easy, secure route. So anyway, I think it was a good decision. Um, I do but, too. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. So anyway... Um, it it only took it only took two years I think from the time I started to when I said I'm going to stop grad school, give up that small stipend, and live off the money that Nomad Athlete makes, and uh, that was that was kind of cool, scary for sure, but did it. My wife was supportive even if she was apprehensive. And uh, did you have a kid at this point? Yes, because I definitely had a kid when I was in grad school. So yeah, we had a kid at that point. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of scary, I guess, now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, especially back then. I mean, now I feel like it's, like, everyone has a side hustle. Yeah, right, um, right. You know, but back then, like, even, you know, six years ago, or, let's see, 10-year anniversary, two years, eight years ago, um, you know, back in 2010, like, it was definitely less of a thing back then. Yeah, it was. Um, I don't know. I So I wrote a lot of posts in those days, like, inspired by that whole tony robbins stuff and i had a lot of stuff about burning the boats Mm -hmm. like if you want to take the island burn the boats and so a lot of that was going through my head at the time like you know i'm gonna do this and it's gonna guarantee that the blog succeeds because i have no other option if i if i do this and that's scary it's a lot harder to do as you get more kind of not entrenched but but as as you put down more roots and have a bigger family and more responsibilities it gets harder to to make a decision like that but uh you know it wasn't that hard then did it and you know what else helped like by by that point i had gotten contacted by agents a few little book agents and wanted they wanted to publish nomad athlete books and i didn't end up doing it with them didn't end up doing it till maybe another year later that i signed a book deal and did it but the fact that like that was happening and i was starting to get little things in magazines here and there it just started to feel like i could kind of point to those as things that are not that wacky like not as wacky as having a blog and claiming you're going to one day make that your job um (laughs) But at least I could tell other people, like, yeah, there's, I have a, I have an agent now, and I'm working on a book deal or something. It just started to feel like this is, this is kind of a legitimate thing I am pursuing. So that helped a whole lot. Um, but anyway, that was it. And then shortly after, we moved to Asheville, and around this time is when I met you, Doug, and we started working. I think I, you know, I met you, and then, oh, so I haven't mentioned Susan yet. Susan came on pretty early. Mm-hmm. Uh, Susan Lakey, who is still in our, in our company, and she manages her social media now but she wrote a lot of posts in the early days of nomad athlete i think for a while it was she i and my sister 
wrote one post per week because my sister lived with me during that time uh, in between her, I don't know what it was, college and, and then eventually moving into her own place with her boyfriend at the time. But uh, so we would all write one post a week. And that was that was the beginning of Nomadathi being different from other blogs because, uh, first of all, it was, it was I was studying that stuff a lot and I was learning how do you write compelling blog posts. And pretty soon after about six months started to realize that what I ate for breakfast today is not an interesting headline uh, unless you're looking to attract that sort of community of just like people who are there to be friends and hang out. Right. But that wasn't what we wanted. I wanted something that would be much bigger than that and would grow and that would, you know, keep getting bigger and better. And uh, I realized that I could not do that if it was just me. And I didn't want it. I didn't want it to be just me because I, I just realized that I did not want to be stuck where like if I was down or out of running or whatever, I just wouldn't want the whole business and brand and everything to go away because I was unable to perform for it. So I just got the idea that it'd be better if other people were involved in this and if people were not here to follow Matt Frazier, but they were here to follow No Meat Athlete, that'd be way better. So uh, Susan started writing posts fairly often, and uh, then I went to a... Oh, so so I, I realized we needed help. We needed someone else who would do more like administrative kind of work uh not an assistant but you know someone who could handle customer service emails do things like that um and just do lots and lots of random odd jobs that there are when you're running a website uh and so we were hiring for a job and we put out some sort of offer on nomad athlete and or a little description and said here's what you need to do to apply and we got all these applications one of which was yours yeah and uh you turned me down i think you finished in second place in that in that job race so <laughs> okay out of about 60 people i think who sent oh well, that's in. good so okay. yeah you were near the top, near the top. uh but you were not the winner though the winner was ben benoulis who i don't know what i think i had met him like at south by southwest or something i don't know what it was but i knew him as well and uh for whatever reason saw more potential in him than i did in you doug <laughs> <laughs> well see you know what it was he had ex- he had a bunch of experience in uh the things that we wanted to do like he he was all about these web hacks and things like that and he, okay. he had all that stuff so anyway well, but go ahead what do you why, what i was gonna say was you, you know i think that we're kind of you know we're, we're talking about your history of course but it i think we're brushing over the fact that like during those first couple of years you you really did build like you filled an uh, a void of information on the web not just like a day in the life of what you were eating as a plant-based athlete, plant-based runner, or a vegetarian runner at the time. Um, but you, like information, you were doing you were doing interviews with people who had been successful. You were doing all these things. And when I went vegetarian, and I was a runner at the time, or still am, but, um, you know, I just finished my first marathon, and then I went vegetarian. And, like, I couldn't find a bunch of stuff, and except I found Nomad Athlete, and I was immediately drawn to that. And, you know, it was, like, we didn't... We didn't connect because we bumped into each other somewhere and both liked websites. Like, I was a fan of Nomad Athlete. Um, and when I met you, it was at a veg fest that I knew you were going to, and I was, like, all nervous to meet you. And um, you were, like, <laughs> leaving, and I was just arriving. And <laughs> and I was like, I think I think that's Matt. You, know, cause he's, like, you were there with Katie, right? Yeah, I was there with Katie. And I, was, I, right. told, I told Katie, I was like, I think that, I think that's Nomad Athlete. He's, you had the carrot shirt on and everything. Yep. Um, and I was like, you were leaving, and, and I was like, ah, oh, no, I don't think I'm going to say hi to him. And Katie made me go say hi to you. <laughs> and that's uh, that's how we met. And then, you know, so you didn't hire me for the job, but we did start working together shortly after on a specific event in D.C. That's how we started yes. working together. That's right. Yep. So I, I definitely remember that. And, uh, yeah, I remember, I, because, and cause, like you said, I had I had attracted a following of people, but it wasn't very often that someone came up and said, hey, are you are you mad? And like, it's, you know, I, I read your site. So that, that was special to me. So I, it's not hard for me to remember then because that didn't happen that much. Um, but you know, it happened at things like VegFest. Obviously when you're wearing a Nomad athlete shirt, it helps. <laughs> so, um, I did that. And Robert Cheek was at that event. He spoke at it. He was like the mm. keynote guy and I'm loving his talk and, and then going to meet him after that. And it was really cool. <laughs> so anyway, um, yes, you did that. So we got to know each other and then, I don't, I don't remember the timeline, but Ben came on. Ben and I started the podcast. If you go back and listen to the first like ten episodes of No Meat Athlete Radio, it was Ben, Ben, Willis, and I, and then we, then we just stopped it. It just didn't work. Um, ben ended, ended up only working with with me and No Meat Athlete for a couple months. I don't know, but just it didn't work out for for a couple different reasons, I think. But uh, anyway, good guy though. Still talk to him every now and then. And um, 
I don't know. You we didn't rec- we didn't start the podcast right away, but you and I worked on a a trip. We we wanted to do like a running thing where people would would all run a race together, no mean athlete race, and we picked this rock and roll race in D.C. And I asked you, I knew you had this project management experience or something, and uh, asked you to help us out, and uh, and you did, and then it worked out really well. And then soon after that, we decided to you got you convinced me to rekindle the podcast. <laughs> That's funny because you know I, I definitely remember those early days of me trying to get onto the podcast, but I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't remember um, being the one who, who convinced you to get it back going. Yeah, you definitely did. I think, uh, I think you're, you're the more progressive thinker of us. You're the younger, you're the millennial of our, of our team. So, <laughs> so uh, you know what is hip and cool and you said the podcast is, is where it's at. Mm. So it wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't, it's not clear in my memory like how it all went, but I got to the point where I was only writing a blog post a week or maybe even two weeks sometimes because uh, I didn't think it was that important. I, re- I would have preferred back then I chose to write things that I thought were good. It took a while to write rather than posting you know, a random thing just to, just to write a new post. So um, that happened. But then we started doing more podcast episodes. And it's funny because No Man Athlete started as a blog and like the – when my contribution in terms of personality and talking about my life, like that was all on the blog. And I never do any of that on the blog anymore. Now that kind of stuff is more on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So we we made that transition. It wasn't really on purpose, but we just decided to start doing more podcast episodes. And, uh, you know, now I think the podcast is, is the more active place as far as, as far as, well, at least as far as when it comes to me, um, creating content, it's mostly via the podcast, but, uh, we now have a lot more guest writers and things on the main site. Yeah, I mean, now we kind of view the website as a resource and an educational tool, and the podcast as still as that, but also as like a way to connect with the with the community more. Right, right. So anyway, um, yeah, I'm just trying to think what like there weren't there was all this stuff at the beginning, and that's all very clear in my memory. I know then we had the book came out. And this was kind of around the time when we were starting the podcast again, I think. Uh, the first book, The No Meat Athlete, it was just called No Meat Athlete. And that's the one that recently got revised and updated now five years later. So this is about halfway into No Meat Athlete's lifespan when that happened and when I did this book tour with it, which was, I think, a really neat thing. And one of the things that I'm most proud of with it was that – so the publisher didn't want to do a book tour because it was a small publisher and – most the vast majority of publishers don't do book tours anymore like they're just with the with the internet being available to use to promote books it's kind of hard to justify paying for an author to go around the country and stay in hotels and fly planes and all that so they don't really happen that much anymore except with really really big already successful authors but i had wanted to do it forever i thought like this would be such a cool thing if we have all these people who read domain athlete all around the world like how cool would it be to be able to go on a trip a tour where i go and do all these events and meet all the people who read the blog i thought that would be the coolest thing so the book was the perfect excuse to do that and the way it worked was i emailed our audience or maybe wrote a wrote a blog post about it and said like i want to do a book tour here's roughly the route i can imagine taking and the timeline i want to do it in which was two months from like i don't know september october maybe part of november um and said like if you are on one of in one of these cities along this route which I just put a picture up of, uh, let me know if you have an interest in doing an event or if you know someone who would do an event or just want to be part of it somehow. And we got tons of responses from all these different people who like new running store owners or own, own stores themselves uh, or own little juice bars or whatever. And uh, ended up booking, creating like 40 or 45 events in a two-month period that I drove from Asheville up to New York back down to D.C., and then across the north part of the country over to Washington, then down that coast, and then back the southern route. So that all happened, and that was just, I don't know, its, it's that was a really nice halfway point because that was, I don't it wasn't the end of me doing that sort of thing, but it was kind of, I think, the climax as far as, like, that phase of the the blog and, and the brand. It was just a really nice way to wrap things up. Um in, in that sense, at least. And I don't know, maybe someday won't, that something like that will happen again. But uh, it was just perfect for that time and, and situation. And then, so you ended up coming on that as well for part of it, right? Yeah, I think I joined you for a week. Yeah, you flew out to uh, to Arizona, maybe? Uh-huh, sounds right. right. Did Arizona and New Mexico, maybe? And then Austin. I left in from Austin. I remember that. Right. Yep. 
Um, so that was cool. And just driving, no no planes or anything. We are just yep. driving a car around. And mm-hmm. you and I and Matt Resigno, the co-author, who has gone on to do many other things in the plant-based world um, before then and since then. So we were all together in the car, and that was that was really fun. It was just a an interesting thing, and it, it was hard because I my daughter was only two months old, or no, not two. She was like four or five months old at the time. Um, so it was kind of strange to go away for two months from her and from our family, and I just it just like again one of those things where like when I did it, it seemed fine. Looking back, I'm like I can't believe I left my wife with the two kids for that long, like to have to do that with with a, an infant basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. That's amazing. And then they actually ended up, they flew out and met me in, in Washington for a little while, a few days, but, uh, in Seattle actually. So well, yeah, it's just, it's just, I don't know. I'm glad it all went down. I'm glad it all happened. I'm proud of it, but man, I just, that was a whole lot of stuff that had to happen for that thing to yeah. take place. <laughs> so. Yeah. I would say that was a, that was definitely a turning point. At that point I was working for you semi part I mean I don't know I was doing customer service and I was doing the podcast and kind of any other random thing you needed help with um and the team let's see the team would have been Susan myself and you at that point and yep. it, but it was soon after that that we grew pretty pretty significantly yeah so th- this is what I was saying like it kind of becomes a blur to me at this point uh mm-hmm. from from year five to year 10 like I can remember the past two years and we definitely changed a whole lot in the past two years but I think, I don't know, six, seven, eight was sort of a know, just awkward transition period where I didn't really know what kind of business we were or what we wanted to do. Um, when did we start having more people? I, like, I remember I went to the Seth Godin th- a thing where I got the chance. So it's, I, we've mentioned Seth Godin many times on here. Mm-hmm. He's a, a marketing author, but just, just a guy who I think his work is so good and so important. Uh, I got this chance to go spend a week in his office with like 14 other people. So I, mean, I won this little, like, content you had to make a little video and do things and somehow i won and got to go and that was really fun that when i came back from that i was all fired up about creating the running groups right and that's where that whole idea kind of hatched and seth godin really had his hands on that a lot and really helped us to figure out how to make that work so that was really cool we hired maggie to help um coordinate oh, yeah, those running groups. running groups yeah yeah and she was with us for about a year or so and then i think she she had to move on she moved actually and um just things changed but well, Esther, Esther, who, who, if you email Novian Athlete right now, you, you're probably going to talk to Esther. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, uh, you know, I think that I think that more people know <laughs> Esther uh, than than we realize. Um, oh yeah. Yep. Um, but anyway, she's about to hit her three year anniversary with Novian Athlete. Okay. So she would have joined, I guess, like at the very beginning of 2016, I think. Yeah, so she may have overlapped with Maggie. I don't honestly remember, mm-hmm. but there was Maggie, and then and then we had Billy helping us for a while, guy helping us with some of the marketing things, mm-hmm. uh, and and then we when did when did Will come on? Doug? Will you, came on. Will came on at the relaunch of uh, of the Nomad Athlete Academy. So this past yep. year, no, but um, he had worked, before, but he'd been with us before that. He had done some things. Had he? Yeah, he he de- he kind of did like I think he did. The old Doug Jobs. No, that's Esther. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, um, <laughs> Will now does a whole lot of social media type things. He manages a lot in the Pulse community. So as as yep. you said, Doug, when we when we relaunched the Nomad Athlete Academy, made it way better, um, and and added this whole community side to it mm-hmm. that that involves the live Q and A's a couple, t- couple times a month and the the Facebook group where people can go in there and and he's done a really great job managing that. And I believe Esther's involved in that some too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he, he does that. He helps us out. Will helps us with the Pulse newsletter that goes out every week to those Academy members and, uh, you know, writes the little little nutrition spotlight and, and picks out the recipes that, uh, you know, we, we're calling NMA approved from around the web. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so, so that's Will. And Yeah, our most recent the, addition is, is Andrew. Yes. This Andrew, is a big who, one, I feel like. Yeah. So you know more than me because you work with Andrew very often. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess uh, I guess people probably don't know what I do, right? I don't know. No, I don't even do know do? what I do. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> no, well, so so uh, around this time last year, um, you had launched Alpine Organics. Yep. Uh, or at the time, it was called Light Drop, right? It was called Light Drop. Yep. Yep. So the uh, 
which makes complement, which is the non-supplement supplement. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and you had partnered with a guy named Matt Tolman, who mm-hmm. is a successful businessman. Mm-hmm. And he, he took interest in an athlete and, and kind of joined the team uh, just as an advisor. Is that fair to say? Yep, totally. And he helped, he helped to make... So I think I'm a terrible manager. I think that's one of, one of my non-skill sets. Part of my skill set is not being a good manager at all. Uh, so what he did was came in and said, here's how you actually need to organize a, a company if you want this thing to be able to grow. And if you want to not be the one who is responsible for every single responsibility, uh, other than these, you know, pockets of things you've managed to delegate, um, you know, he came on and like helped us just organize correctly. Right. So I would say you sort of stepped into what in many ways was, was the things I spent a whole lot of time on. Right. Um, and then the things that you had used to spend a lot of time on, you still do some of them, but that's what we we started to build this team yeah. to to do, with with Esther and Will, and then ultimately the addition of Andrew, who came in to be the Nomad Athlete editor. He, he edits all the all the new products, all the new modules in the academy, blog posts, a lot of the emails. He he, uh, I feel like that was a big one because it kind of it meant that we had like a full content machine. <laughs> Yeah, right. And in many ways, it is a machine that still still needs some grease. In, oh, in definitely, the right spot. without a doubt. Yeah. But but yes, it, I mean, I think for a while it was me doing everything on my own, or at uh-huh. least everything that I could, except for a few little things. And then you came on and took over or helped a lot with that burden. But I think it was kind of only in the past year and a half that we started to say like things work way better when you actually hire someone whose job it is just to do this one thing and you pick someone who's actually good at that not one of us who has learned how to do it right um and and that that's really made a much a much different nomad athlete for sure yeah um it, you know different i i think different and in some some people's minds it will they'll say worse but that's it's just it's just how you look at it. like what i was going to say was that when we when we first started doing the podcast, and I kind of made the decision that the podcast is where I'm going to put my energy, and the blog posts are going to be once every two weeks or something, I got all these emails from people who were just so used to the old way, and they would say, "Look, I, we we I understand that the podcast is a, is a new medium, and that people are into that, but I really like reading." blog post and that's what i want and that's what i know no meat athlete to be mm-hmm. so i don't like it anymore now that you're doing things in this new way um you know if we now went back to i started writing blog posts all the time and stopped doing podcasts we get emails from podcast people who say you know no meat athlete's supposed to be weekly podcasts and i don't like it the way you're doing it now so that's all i meant by saying that like in many people's minds like change is not a good thing mm-hmm. but as you know with the decisions we've made about what we want this brand and movement and company to be and become um i think it's i think it's a thousand percent better now that we have an actual team doing things and and do you know what the coolest thing about the team is to me what's that see i'm gonna I'm feel good i'm the cheer i was talking to somebody about uh like leadership styles and uh-huh and stuff and since i'm i kind of manage the team now i was talking to somebody and they were like what kind of manager you know i was like i think i'm a i think i'm a cheerleader <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah is that is that a known uh well, that was like one Archetype. of the one of the options, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, anyway, but <clears throat> what I love the most about our team, so we have, it's me and you, uh, Susan, who came on really early, um, Andrew, Will, Esther, and Matt Tolman, and every single person on the team, so that's what, seven people, six people? Mm-hmm. Um, seven. Seven. Uh, came to Nomad Athlete as a fan first, like as a reader or listener. Uh-huh. Um, and then just kind of reached out or we started working with them, you know, on whatever, for whatever reason. And, um, and, you know, eventually they ended up joining the team. They ended up being a good fit for the team. But I just think that, that think that's really, really cool. And that, that keeps cool. the, it keeps the, like, you know, I don't know, like people believe in what we're doing and the team believes in what we're doing. And I think that that's reflected in the type of content we put out in the, in the communities we built on the pulse group and, uh, with the health made simple challenge, like this, it's like this crazy engaged group of people who are, you know, who are really thriving on the, on this challenge. And I think that that's because the team we've built and the community you've built, um, you know, I mean, or the team we've built came from a community that you've built. 
Yeah, I think you're right about that. I actually did not realize that, or if I did, then I had forgotten that. But I think that is extremely important. Uh, I I had the sense that everyone on our team really cares about what we're doing. Not not just like cares about the success of Nomadathi, but they care about the whole thing. Yeah, they care about veganism. They care about the movement. They care about animals. Um, they care about health. It just I don't know. And I think that's because of what you just said that I had not really noticed on my own. <laughs> that. <laughs> That yeah, they they we didn't. These aren't people who we just hired who were, came in looking to get a job. Mm-hmm. They're people who who liked what we were doing so much that they wanted to be part of it. So that that really is special, and uh, yeah, I think I think it's that's been the huge difference between this year and really the past two years. It's just so different now because it involves so many people. There's so many hands on pretty much everything that we put out. Uh, podcast is probably the one thing that that it's really it's still just me and you, and almost nobody touches it. Yeah, right, because right. it's just me and you, and then I edit it and get it out. Yeah, we should do something about that. We should get an editor. I know, we need to get it, yeah. Right. <laughs> Somebody who knows, anyway, knows maybe, how to probably mix will. things. <laughs> right. uh, it's possible we will. Who knows? But I do think, I think, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what, it's hard for me to have a sense of what people from the outside, like what it looks like as nobody has to go through these changes. Honestly, people probably don't notice because as I've as I've noticed, the lifespan of and this is sad but the lifespan of someone following a site you know is a year or two and it's not more and that that's that's at on the high end most people get into a new site they're into it they're on the email list they read all the emails for a week or two and then they're and they're off at least that's how i behave when i sign up for new sites like i care about them and i think this is awesome and i think i'm going to care about this forever and then a few weeks later i'm out of it and i have forgotten all about it and i'm unsubscribed for their emails mm-hmm. um so anyway i what i'm saying is i i perhaps people aren't even perceiving changes because there are people who, you know, if someone's into it for a year or two, that's awesome. That's wonderful. Uh, and that's a pretty big fan. And even to them, that's not really long enough time span where you're kind of seeing major changes. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I, I still wonder like what people think about that. And from my perspective, I think this past year we've, we've gotten really, really equipped. As we said, the machine still can use some, some oil in places, but, uh, I think we're in a position where we can actually do really big, good things now and, and make things happen quickly and and potentially massively expand our impact. Uh, I don't know for sure that we will do that or that we'll decide that's the right thing to to put effort into doing. Uh, but, you know, I think we're in a really good position now to, to be able to do good, important things. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting that, you know, what started as you writing every day about what you're eating, kind of doing that whole food blogger, or lifestyle blogger thing, um, you know, has turned into something where, you know, I mean, if, if all you did was check the the blog, I mean, you, you would see the podcast post go up every week and you'd see a blog post come out every couple of weeks, um, you know, but it, you wouldn't see all that much activity. But now more than ever, there's so much going on behind the scenes and there's, um, you know, with, with, the, with, the, with the Academy and the Pulse Group, with um, Health Made Simple Challenge, with the running groups, with... Uh, you know, just all the other activities and, and products and courses and stuff we're involved in. There's just so much going on behind the scenes. Um, and I think that we are, we're making a change. We're so much more effective at, at helping people and helping, you know, and, and helping the movement um, than we would have ever been if it had just stayed a lifestyle blog. Yeah, I think that is true. Um, as evidenced by a lot of things, right? We, it, we, we now employ a lot of people, many of them part-time, but, uh, but a few full-time as well. And we, we had an, a new book came out last year, uh, the Nomad Athlete Cookbook, and then yeah. now this new one has come. So we've sold, I, I don't think we've sold 100,000 books yet total, but um, actually if you count eBooks and things like that that we sell on our own, then surely we're over 100,000. But uh, as far as good published print books go, um, I think we are, I think we are, in the in the 80s maybe 90s thousands of books which is amazing to think about that it's just that's just so many people that actually have have this this thing has touched uh not because of me or or my writing by any means it's not that it's just the fact that this movement has grown the way it has and that we've done a good job of sort of harnessing what what we have at nomad athlete and directing it into good projects that matter uh and building a community so that that sure feels like we're doing something that that is actually starting to matter. So that that's really cool. We got a lot of t-shirts out there in the world. Too. I th- I, don't, I think we've probably sold 40, 50,000 t-shirts, believe it or not. Wow. That's pretty cool. That is cool. Well, and that's you know, and cool. what what else is cool is you know, the the whole online vegan athletic community has 
exploded since you started an athlete. You know, I mean, there's so many other bloggers and podcasts and YouTube channels and all that stuff. Um, you know, there's so much more out there. And I think that part of what we've had to do and what you've had to do is, is like figure out where you fit in, in that community. And, you know, I think it's, it's a lot of like what we're doing of the community building and the, um, and the, you know, educational stuff. Um, and not necessarily just like becoming your best friend, you know, like you do right. on a YouTube channel. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're right. It's like, it's, I don't know if people have that sense um, of how different it was when Nomad Athletes started, at least the, the plant-based, uh, plant, people weren't even saying plant-based then. That wasn't really a term. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it was, maybe it was somewhere, but it was not popular. And, you know, Brendan Brazier was out there. Rich Roll was out there and doing his, Ultraman thing, but he wasn't Rich Roll yet. No one knew of Rich Roll, and I mean, you know, I remember a few weeks, a few years into No Meat Athlete, he emailed, I think, or someone introduced me to him or something, and said, "Hey, you should have this guy on your." I don't know if it was on our podcast or what, but we basically featured him somehow, and uh, you know, he was just another a guy who who was doing really cool things on a plant based diet. And Scott Jurek was out there doing his thing, winning ultra marathons as a vegan. He was talking about it a little bit, but he didn't have his book yet. His book didn't come out till Rich Rolls came out. Uh, he got highlighted in Born to Run, which certainly helped. Um, so I, when I look back at like I don't know what Nomad Athlete's place in the movement is. What I know is that when I started it, like there weren't other plant-based running blogs out there like there just wasn't because because i know this because when they would sprout up i would my ears would perk up and i would say wait a minute there's someone who's doing the same thing i am and i remember a time i could think of like four people who were kind of now doing what no athlete was doing and it was like wow like there are there are competitors now in some sense uh and i had to keep an eye on them but it's so funny because now if you try to do that like it just would be a a pointless exercise because you'd find i mean i don't know hundreds of blogs where it's like a plant-based person or a vegan or vegetarian person who's into fitness Mm -hmm. and they're blogging about it I think I guess you know I I do not at all think Nomad Athlete was the first blog of that kind of plant based fitness or vegan fitness or vegetarian fitness. Um, there were certainly people who were in that healthy living space who were vegetarians or who were vegan and who were posting about their runs and things. It's just that they for some reason no one had kind of said like what this thing is about is plant based fitness. Mm. It was more just like about about them or about their life and they happened to be those things. So yeah, so so Nomad Athlete like came along right at what seemed like the beginning of the the whole plant-based athlete idea hitting hitting its stride because as i said it had existed for for 10 20 years before that uh with people like brendan brazier and brendan brazier even had his thrive book out uh but it just hadn't really gone anywhere yet and so we came along and certainly helped to move that along but we didn't invent it we didn't start it uh, but came along near the beginning and kind of provided this sort of central hub for, in many people's minds, for for that, uh, and just added, I think, to the legitimacy of it because as you start to see more sites that are that are, you know, at least trying to be fair and scientific uh, about it, I th- you know, it adds adds legitimacy and helps people to make the choice to do it. So, you know, who knows where we actually fit in, but uh, that's how I have perceived it anyway. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess. Uh... I I I, I want to make sure that it's clear because I think I I know <laughs> I know how you feel about this, but I mean I, we don't we don't view all those other podcasts and and uh, and you know blogs and stuff as as competition. We're grateful now for all of them, right? Yeah, that that is very much true. Um, it that was hard to learn. Like I think one of the things I learned about when I used to think about trying to because I always wanted to do have a business, be an entrepreneur. Uh, was that if you find a space and there is nobody in it, that's a pretty good sign that that is not going to be a good space. Now, there are exceptions that change the world when someone comes along and does it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, if you don't have competitors or, you know, if there aren't people doing the same thing as you and vying for the same attention as you are, um, you're probably not in a good space, first of all. And what I learned is that if there's no one else blogging about your topic or, you know, doing things around your topic... Uh, there's nobody to link to you when you're when you're mm. trying to grow a blog. And so in the early days, that was how that was how you grew a blog was by getting links from big blogs, and or or from a bunch of smaller blogs. And what I this frustration that happened right away was like, there's not really anyone who's doing this. And like maybe we can get guest post spots on other big fitness sites, uh, 
but it's hard. It's hard to go on there and be the be the vegetarian or vegan guy telling people that this way is better than the way they're used to doing. <laughs> right. So yeah, I was grateful when when more and more companies or blogs or podcasts or whatever started coming in the vegan fitness space. Um, you know, at first it was like, oh no, wait a minute, there's someone doing what I'm doing, and very quickly I started to realize that it was actually a really good thing. And not just for Nomad Athlete and the movement, because I mean, not just for Nomad Athlete, because now that there you could have people to work with and link to and link get links from and guest post exchange with. Um, but it, it meant that the, the movement is growing and that's, that's what so many of us really want. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. They like, yeah, I mean, I guess in some sense they're competitors, but even that is weird now. Like just the internet has changed so much about that and the whole, when you get, when you talk about network effects and sharing effects, uh, and you're talking about information so often just like spreading ideas, it, it's not like a zero sum game. Whereas when one person gains, the other one loses the way old school business is, Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's more just expansion of the pie basically so that's a rising tide lifts all boats there you go and that uh we've 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 certainly benefited from that at nomad athlete because we've we started this like in the or i started this in one of the worst recessions we've had and have never ever had the sense that like it's hard right i mean certainly it's hard work but it's never been like oh man business is really bad now no one's no one's caring anymore no one's like everyone's saving all their money no one's buying our things no one's supporting us it's never felt like that, and I think we're very, very lucky to have gotten in front of a of a huge wave. Um, that is the vegan movement. So, yeah, yeah the the tide has has definitely continued to rise, and it has for a long time now, which is cool because people have always asked, like, you know, whenever I've done interviews, it's always been like, so, so is veganism a fad, or is this vegan athlete thing a fad? Like, and they would name other things that had been fads. Um, but man, it just seems like it's just stronger than it ever has been. Yeah, so I, I really don't think it is. I think it's the way of the future, and I don't. I'm not just saying that, you know. Yeah, there are so many like big reasons beyond like <laughs> beyond the idea of saving animals. Right. Which is what so many people think that's kind of and, and that is very much like what was the motivating factor in the 70s and 80s for people who were eating this way. Mm-hmm. Uh but there are really really big things why, that that kind of point to this as the way of the future uh economically, environmentally, health-wise. It's just lots of really really big factors that I, I don't, you know, I, I don't even know if they're beginning to shift at the, at the top yet, but you can kind of sense that, that it, it's just, this diet solves a lot of problems or, or makes, at least makes them much smaller. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So anyway. Anyway. So that is, uh, that is Nomad Athlete. That's, that's the history, Athlete in a nutshell. History of, of, <laughs> yeah. of Nomad Athlete. Uh, and, you know, and, and of course, I, I think we should wrap this up by saying how grateful we are for anyone who's ever listen to an, a podcast or read a blog post um, or, you know, I mean, I'm, you know, anyone who's been around since day one, I'm sure you're incredibly grateful for. Mm-hmm. You know who else I'm incredibly grateful for that I have not yet mentioned is my wife, Erin. Yes. Um, because she has played a constant behind the scenes role every now and then gets to be in front of the scenes, uh, getting to be on the podcast or, or I don't know. She, I think she wrote some early guest posts actually. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. So she has, has, done that I, you know she's welcome to do that whenever she wants i don't think that's her desire really to be on the podcast that much or write write blog posts that much although someone on her instagram asked me anything last week doug so that's right they, they were wanting to know when our wives would be on that's right again so anyway um aaron has done has done a ton of customer service work for nomad athlete uh all along the way has helped me out with so many different things and uh still to this day does stuff like just yesterday she showed me and she does it she does it after hours because she helps the kids you know for a whole lot of the day of course they're in school but she she finds many things to do with the kids and to support the kids so last night at 10 a, 10 p.m when you know work is the last thing on my mind at that point i've learned to, to check out of work when the day ends but uh you know she was showing me showing me uh proofs from the new t-shirts and yeah saying, her and i were emailing at 10 p.m last yeah. Night. <laughs> yeah so that's uh yeah, that's that's the sort of energy she has has brought to it forever. So she's she's constantly been there, mm-hmm. and uh, that's a good example. And, and only recently has given up the she's done the shirt customer service. So if you've ever returned a shirt or had a question about shirts, uh, you have very likely dealt with Aaron. And uh, only recently has she handed that off to Esther. So Aaron does uh, just a little bit now with that kind of thing. But but man, for for nine and a half years, she's done a tremendous amount. Mm. So there you go. There you have it. There you go. The history <laughs> yeah. of Nomad Athlete. <laughs> and, and soon, next chapter is going to be video, right, Doug? That's right. <laughs> Maybe. As we announced if, at the uh, 
the top of season three of New Athlete Radio. That's we're right. going to start doing a bunch of video. And then the first video screwed up, and we've, we haven't ever uh, gotten off the ground since. No. But, yeah. But it's we, coming. We have, some, we have some big ideas about video. I have not yet organized them in my mind to execute them, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I do. I am looking forward to that. I do think it's coming. Yeah, I, and, uh, and next year, so this is kind of a little teaser for 2019. Get, get okay. ready, folks. Um, All right. Uh, well, next year is the 10th anniversary, and mm-hmm. we're going to be celebrating a lot. We have some big plans and some exciting things we're going to try to do next year. We do, and that's only the things that we've thought of. We, there's, uh, <laughs> I imagine there's going to be a lot more stuff that, as we get into it, we will think yeah, of new ideas. No, I, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I think 2019 is going to be the best year yet. I hope it is. That'd be really fun. Uh huh. I'm, I'm I'm convinced. That's gonna be my uh, all right. My mission for the for the year. Well, as I said, we're in a position to do that. I think we we the past few years we've built ourselves a nice setup for making something our biggest year ever. So <laughs> let's hope 2019 is it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. Well, thanks everyone for listening. I uh, hope you enjoyed this. I'm sure it wasn't for everyone this type of episode, but if you're still listening, then uh, you must have found something you liked in it. So. Um, Thank you for that. Thank you for supporting Nomad Athlete. And uh, we'll be back next week. Yeah, Keep and have, going have, a, do, right? have a great Thanksgiving if, if you celebrate. Yes, that is right, everyone. Have a good Thanksgiving. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll be back. We'll, we'll have an episode. Should be a new one uh, coming out on Black Friday. And uh, then, then I'll be back within within a week or two after that. Safe travels. All right. Que te vaya bien. There you go. Thanks, Doug. Ciao.